0: Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Hey, friends, welcome to the
1: Unseminary podcast. So glad that you have tuned in. Uh, we've got a real treat for you today. Uh, we're going to dive in on a topic that I know is so important. So many of us are wrestling with and thinking about. Today, we've got David Rainey with us. He is from uh, a fantastic church, Second Baptist Church in Arkansas. They've got two campuses. And if I'm doing my math right, this is the 100th anniversary of uh, of Second Baptist. Uh, it's a fantastic church. One of the fastest growing churches in the country. Josh, Josh King is the lead pastor here. David is both the executive pastor, and he also speaks at the Greenbrier campus. David welcome to the show. That's right, man. Thank you. It's good to be here. So honored that you're here. Fill in the picture there. What did I miss about second? What do we want to, uh, if people were to come this weekend, what would they experience? Well, no, I
2: think you did a great job of kind of uh, explaining who we are. We're a 100-year-old church um, in central Arkansas um, that in the middle of COVID launched a new campus because, you know, that's, a, that's, that's the thing to That's what you do. do. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So we do have two campuses now. I um, primarily lead our, our campus. Um, and so my title is executive pastor of ministry. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's what I came to this church to do. But whenever we launched this campus, uh, yeah, I, I now preach there
1: weekly as
2: well. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Love it. So good. Well, I one of the things I want to talk about today is I think one of the um, misconceptions about fast-growing churches is they're just all about the growth. It's all about going wide, but we know that we have to grow deep. We have to get people connected. We have to get people plugged in. Talk to me about what that tension looks like for you at second. How, how is that working out? How, how have you tried to balance those two aspects of, of kind of what's happening at the church?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, we, we know, uh, right. That, that people who are disconnected, it's easy for them to just kind of fade off into the mm-hmm. distance or fade away. Mm-hmm. And, and so while a church is growing large, like ours, mm-hmm. um, was doing, especially before COVID hit, mm-hmm. um, the challenge was how do we get those people, not just attending casually, but how do we get them fully involved? Mm-hmm. And for us, the best way to do that is through small groups. Mm-hmm. And so we had to really look at our small group model and, and, and look at the the systems that we have in place. Um, somebody said, um, one time to me that don't really focus on the situation, focus on your systems, um, because mm-hmm. systems help us correct situations, right? And mm-hmm. so if you have a lot of new people coming into our church like we did, um, we had to really look at our system for small groups. Mm-hmm. And then whenever we launched our new campus, uh, we, we faced all kinds of different challenges with that. Because we are a 100-year-old Southern Baptist Church in Central Arkansas that now mm-hmm. has a campus that's meeting in least space. So we mm-hmm. don't have on-campus groups at that, that at mm-hmm. our new campus so we have both an on campus model and we mm-hmm. have a home group model that we're trying to do small groups with so it's a, it's a unique situation for sure love it
1: well i'd love to pull that apart kind of talk about what you've been learning how how that's been uh, you know how that's been working kind of talk us through what groups look like are they open are they closed how do people onboard them what kind of content kind of set the the structure give us kind of the overview what is what are groups looking like
2: Okay, um, so we have their closed groups. Um, mm-hmm. and, well, I'm sorry, not closed groups. They're ongoing, open mm-hmm. groups, not closed groups. <laughs> uh, opposite of closed. That is that is a completely <laughs> different thing. So ours are ongoing and they're open groups, meaning that mm-hmm. um, they don't have an end date and mm-hmm. anybody can join at any at any point.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and
2: so we do that both with our on-campus groups and our home groups. They're both structured that way. And so. Um, we also employ, um, sermon based small groups. Mm-hmm. And so all mm-hmm. of our small groups walk through the exact same curriculum and it's all centered around the same text that we're preaching that week. Mm-hmm. And so we like that because it creates a lot of synergy, uh, mm-hmm. toward totally. for all of our different groups, whether it's teenagers, all the way through parents and senior adults, they're all studying the same thing. So that creates cool conversations in the car ride home and, and all different mm-hmm. kinds of things. So we, we really like that structure.
1: Yeah. I love it. Talk to me about what you're doing to build up leaders, you know, finding, equipping, releasing, you know, keeping them focused. This is a, such a critical piece in lots of ministries, but particularly in small groups, this is uh, this is vitally important. Talk us through what that looks like.
2: Yeah. So that kind of goes back to whatever I was talking about systems a little mm-hmm. bit. Like we, mm-hmm. we have this thing, like we have a lot of people who need to be in community And so creating the system for that to take place um, really Mm -hmm. starts with our leaders. Mm -hmm. And so um, one of the things that I did, whenever I first got to second three and a half years ago now um, is we wrote a small group leader handbook that just really kind of gives a clear direction for our leaders, what we're, what we're expecting of them, what we're not expecting of them Mm -hmm. um, some ideas for what healthy small group life looks like. And so uh, we really try and, place a lot of emphasis on our leaders of the mm-hmm. groups making sure they're trained making sure they're resourced and all of those different things because we understand like they're the ones actually in the groups and leading mm-hmm. those people and so our influence is is to them mm-hmm. and so it started with that handbook um, you know you uh, you 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 constantly want to be onboarding new leaders I, I want mm-hmm. my leaders to be constantly training their replacement Mm -hmm. um, or, or training people to go out and start new groups. And so for us, that system of, of small groups and healthy small groups all starts with our leaders.
1: Love it. I want to come back to that training new groups question, but before we get there, when you talk about kind of regular rhythms of your small group, like what are you, what are you training your people towards? What, when you kind of like, you, you, you know, I'm sure there's a way you've kind of talked about that to like, Hey, here's what we're looking for you as a leader to kind of be regularly engaged with. What's that look like?
2: Yeah. So we wanted to create a well-rounded small group life that, that -hmm. it creates the avenues for people to take that next step with Jesus. That's the goal Mm -hmm. of small groups is because, you know, people in the groups are going to be in all different phases of their walk with Jesus. And so we wanted to create the avenues for that to take place. And Mm -hmm. so we kind of created this Venn diagram kind of a thing, three circles Mm -hmm. um, that, that create a healthy small group atmosphere. Uh, The first one, the first circle is Bible study. And mm-hmm. that's weekly. That's the obvious one. That's the one that we all think of whenever mm-hmm. it comes to, to small groups. Um, but we added two more to that, that kind of balance out a, a healthy group. Mm-hmm. And and the first one is what we call hangouts. Mm-hmm. The, the last one is help outs. And so okay. hangouts, hangouts are, are monthly. And those are just opportunities. That's where friends become family. You're, you're literally, mm-hmm. you're hanging out, you're, mm-hmm. you're finding ways for the group just to have fun with one another that can look like, lunch after church that can look like going to a baseball game together, um, mm-hmm. just different things. And so we encourage our leaders to plan at least one of those every month. And then help outs is kind of that third piece of the, of the mm-hmm. diagram there. And that's quarterly. Mm-hmm. We want our groups serving together in some kind of way, teaching, mm-hmm. teaching our people what it looks like to live on mission and to serve mm-hmm. Jesus in our community. So Bible study, hangouts and help outs, all three of those form a healthy small group. If, if you only do a couple of those, it's unbalanced. It's unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you really need all three of those.
1: Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah. W- when you talk about the helpouts, pull that apart a little bit more. What, what does that look like in most groups? This is one of those things that I think so many of our churches are aspirational about. We're like, we would love our churches to actually, our small groups to actually do that. But, but then it, it kind of fails at the like actually making it happen. What are the kinds of things that your, your groups are doing quarterly in the helpouts?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, that's just the time. It's the, it's the rhythm of providing that opportunity for intentional time for people to grow and sharing mm-hmm. um, what it looks like to follow Jesus. And, and so I tell, I tell our leaders, make it fun, um, but make it intentional, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so make it something that your whole group will go and be a part of. And so there's different things, you know, here in town, there, we have a food, a food bank, uh, homeless mm-hmm. shelters, things like that, that you can go serve on a Saturday together mm-hmm. Um, we have groups that will take cookies and things to homebound members or nursing homes. Um, it can look like hosting a, a block party in an apartment complex or in a neighborhood, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, It can can look like going and doing yard work for people in the church Mm -hmm. or in the community that need that to happen. We also have groups that, that will do like food drives and canned food drives and different things like that as a group, and then take that, uh, to different places. So, I mean, it's, it's simple things. Um, mm-hmm. it's not like, Hey, we're all going to go on a, on a mission trip overseas next week. Together. Right. Yes. Uh, although that's great. You know, that can that be, be one, great. Yep. Um, but it's just finding ways in our community to be involved and to teach people like living for Jesus is just a natural part of what we do, you know, and right. share Jesus. And so just creating that opportunity and that rhythm for people to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Love it. So good. Well, let's get back to the launching new groups, question. I think one of the challenges in an open and ongoing group structure is creating the impetus to launch new groups. People can just say, I'm going to stay in my group forever, as opposed to saying in a closed system or a a system that's like, okay, we're going to go for a couple of years. It creates a natural like, hey, let's let's launch into new groups. How are you encouraging leaders to launch into new groups? What does that look like? How's that process? What's that all look like?
2: Yeah, man, that is the tough part of of ongoing groups for sure, is yes. Be, you know, and and it's because they they create those relationships that are just natural and deep, and mm-hmm. so on one hand you love that. On the other hand, you're like, yeah, but yes. I need to start a new group, right?
1: Yes, yes. Um,
2: and so I think it all starts again with the leadership of the group just understanding from the beginning mm-hmm. that um we're we're creating something that that hopefully we're going to replicate. I, mm-hmm. I, I use that language a lot with our leaders, like. I'm not trying to split your group. I'm trying to replicate Mm -hmm. what God is doing in your group because Mm -hmm. um, there's statistics that show that, that on average, when you start a new group, 10 new people who weren't involved in small group life, they'll get involved in a small group, you Mm -hmm. know? And so if the, if you want to grow your small group life, the best way to do that is to launch new groups. Right. right? So, and so for us, it starts with, with leaders understanding that. Mm
0: -hmm. And then
2: them taking the, the ownership of, identifying people in their group who could start groups, be leaders, and then Mm. investing in them. You know, like Mm. I say all the time, like you should be training the person to take your job, you know, training that next leader and then sending them out. So it it starts there. I have a a requirement that all small group leaders, um, they come out of an existing small group,
1: Okay. Yep.
2: Um, That way they understand the culture and the DNA of what we're trying to do with the with the hangouts and the help outs and the whole, all three mm. rhythms of our small group life, they understand that going into starting a new group. And so mm-hmm. it really is about, uh, when I say replication, I mean that, like I want to replicate mm. a healthy group and start a new one so that by statistics, 10 new people will get into a group that way.
1: Right. And so how often are you, like, if I'm a leader in your church and I'm, you know, leading groups, how often is it being cast that like, I should be thinking about finding a leader, and then i'm hoping that they'll launch out what does that look like
2: i mean there's there's not a time constraint on it but mm-hmm. w- typically what we're doing is we're is so for our on-campus groups we're, we're looking at the, our schedule we have three small group hours mm-hmm. and three service times and so i'm looking at that going okay at, at 11 o'clock we could really use a group for this live stage and then I look at my other groups that are in that life stage that are really getting it right. And I go to those leaders and I say, I want to start a group at this time and I need your help with that. You know, okay. So, so yep. who in your group is ready to step out and, and launch that new group?
1: Okay. Love that. So good. Now you talked at the beginning about, you know, so you launched a new location and then you've, so you've got this mixed environment where you've got home groups and then on-campus groups trying to figure out that mix uh, talk us through what, what you're learning in that front. What what are some of the maybe nuanced differences, things that work better, or kinds of groups or types of groups or you know that are working better on campus versus in homes? And how how's that all? What's all working there?
2: Man, I don't I don't think I'm an expert there for sure. Um, <laughs> but uh but we are definitely you know learning a lot of things. Um mm-hmm. it it's really interesting because we have both models side mm-hmm. by side, and so you can kind yeah. of see okay, this one's better in this way. This one Mm -hmm. is is good. You know, I I would just say like home groups, I think their strength is, it tends to be more relational. You can go a little bit deeper Mm -hmm. in that, um, on campus groups, the, the, the big win there is how convenient they are. You have, Mm -hmm. you have childcare and you have different things going on, um, Mm -hmm. that, that just make it really easy while that's a, that's a, a weakness of, of home groups. And so, there's different challenges with, with both sides Mm -hmm. of those. That's the reason I was, whenever I say like, don't focus so much on your situation, but focus on your system. Mm. Um, That's our system of small groups is the same. Uh, Our philosophy Mm -hmm. is the same for both our on-campus groups and our home groups. I Mm -hmm. want them discussion-based. I want them talking uh, around the same sermon text. I want them um, you know, doing these three rhythms, um, Bible Mm -hmm. study, hangouts, and helpouts. And so whether they meet in a home, whether they meet um, on campus, philosophically, they should look a lot of the same. The same culture Mm -hmm. should exist in both places for us.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. Um, You had mentioned earlier uh, this whole idea of, you know, building systems. Right. And, you know, we all know that systems save us time, energy, you know, they're, they, they help us multiply what we're doing. What would be some other areas at the church that you've seen, Hey, stepping, we're taking a systematic approach, trying to address the issue at the system level rather than a situation level has helped you in, in your leadership, managing, uh, you know, the church that you are.
2: Yeah. I think we saw that whenever we launched the new campus, um, right. you know, like, launching a campus, there's, there's no template for that. Right. Mm -hmm. I I read a lot of blogs and I read a lot of what people said worked for them, but really you have to take who you are as a church and you have to replicate that into a new community. And so Mm -hmm. for us, that was, we took all of our systems in that, in that way and put it Mm -hmm. into a new, new community. But, um, yeah, I would say that that's probably the biggest, the biggest one. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, Yeah. that's cool. And what, now that you're, when did you launch the second campus? When, when did that, actually started months group. ago August okay May. great yeah coming up on your first year what w- yeah. now looking back on the launch so because I hope you do a third and a fourth that would be my bias what right. would you do different with the next couple launches you know what did you learn through that system your your, your launching of campus system <laughs>
2: <laughs> man that's a good question um, everybody told us that we were absolutely insane to be trying to launch the <laughs> campus in the middle of COVID. Um, so I guess I wouldn't do that again. Um, right. But, uh, I don't know, like it's one of those things. It's, it's kind of like people say, if you, if you wait till you're ready to be a parent, you'll never have kids. If you, you till you're ready to be married, you'll never be married kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you wait until every single detail is ready, you probably won't actually make the jump and do, do that thing. But, But on the flip side, like there's probably some stuff that we could have gotten figured out a little bit more on the front end um, than what we did. But you know what, it's been going for nine months and the Lord is doing incredible things there. And um, mm. we are, we're pumped that we did that. We do, um, we don't have any kind of like tangible plans to launch another campus anytime mm-hmm. soon, but if the Lord were to open the right um, avenues and and doors and and put that in front of us, then I think we would do it again. It, overall, it's been a been a great experience for us. We've seen a ton of new families joining in, finding a church yeah, home, great. baptizing people. I mean, it's what it's all about. So yeah. well, there's been growing pains, um, but I think we would do it again.
1: Yeah, that's great. Love that. I know for, I've been involved in a lot of launches and, uh, for years, I used to say, because we were in a pattern of doing them annually. And we did that for six, seven years in a row. And every year we would come around to a new launch and and we always launched in the fall. It was always like around October. It was usually somewhere in there. Yeah. And so usually in January, February, there would be this like internal uprising with our team, where it was like, this is the year we shouldn't launch. And there was always good reasons to not launch, right? There was always like, okay, there's, you're right. Like these are things we should fix. Uh, and it got to the point where I would, would joke that the start of our launch process, the first step was we would say, this is the year it's not, we're not going to launch. We have to just get that out of our system. And then eventually we would, you know, cause it is, it's that balance, right? It's that tension to be managed that it's like, if we always wait, we'll never, it, it'll never, you know, if we wait for it to be perfect, it'll never happen. We know our church will never be perfect, but we do need to have a certain amount of our systems, uh, you know, ready to scale, uh, before, you know, we make that jump. I love that. That's sure. so good.
2: You know, we are a we're a hundred year old Baptist church. Yeah. Um, never launched a campus before. A lot of our people right. like, what is a campus? I mean, what are you even right. talking? What does that about? look like? Yes. But we we had kind of we knew that we had people from that community driving into our church, and and we yeah. understood that, and so we had been already kind of thinking through and praying through, like what would it look like to do that. We mm-hmm. did have space issues talking about small groups. We had space issues with small groups, and so we thought if we could launch a campus, it might alleviate some of that which really it didn't, um, at all. We, <laughs> yes. we were wrong about that. Um, yeah. but we began praying about what would it look like to, to put a second Baptist in this new community. And the Lord just opened this door to this space that it's like, okay, we we've got to, this is it. we got to do this. You know, we'd be crazy right. not to. And so we just, uh, we said, all right, we're doing it. And we did it. So love it. So good.
1: Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. I love, you know, some really good thoughts around groups and how, how do we do that? What do we need to be thinking about as we're wrestling with groups in our, our scenarios? Is there anything else, David, we should be, you'd like to share before we kind of wrap up today's episode? You know, I would, I would
2: just say like, um, if you want small groups to be a major part of who you are as a church, it has to be something that um, you are constantly communicating to your people, mm, like so the too. importance of being in community and things. We, we, Um, even just this Sunday, um, Mm. in my sermon, we're going to talk about the importance of community and small groups Mm. and why you should be a part of that. Like God created us for community. And so Mm. you should be a part of that. We also just recently did, and we started in February, which is a weird time to do something like this, but we did a 10 week Mm. emphasis on the importance of small groups. Oh, I love it. And, And literally every single week, we just put, uh, three, uh, four different small groups up on our screen. Mm -hmm. right before the sermon on both campuses and said, here's, here's a few groups. Um, This is what the picture of the leader looks like. And and you can talk to them after service. And and so if you're interested in doing that, we did a 10 week thing. It was called the small group spotlight. And what we Mm -hmm. saw after that is um, we saw a 26% growth in small group attendance over previous months. And so that was actually the thing that got us kind of back to that pre COVID uh, Mm -hmm. number in our small group attendance. And so Mm -hmm. I think the more you talk about something, the more people are going to hear the importance of it and they get involved in it. So if if I could encourage uh, leaders listening today, man, if you want small groups to be a big part of what you do, you got to talk about it and you got to model it.
1: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And it's a great, um, reminder again of like, we just need to keep on top of this week in week out. I think a lot of us would do like, Hey, let's do a week or two on small groups, but 10 weeks in a row, you just keep pounding it and keep in front of people. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Really appreciate that. Well, David, I really appreciate you being on the show today. Where do we want to send people online? If they're looking for more information about the church, they want to track with you. They want to get more information. Where do we want to send them?
2: Sure. So our church um, website is my second dot family. And then all of our social media is the same for the for the church. Um, my name is David Rainey. So I'm on social mm-hmm. media, Instagram and, and Twitter as well. So, I mean, if I can answer any questions about small groups, I'd love to help you. Love it.
1: Thanks so much, David. Appreciate you being
2: here today. Yes, sir. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary podcast. Unseminary. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.